Good evening. Welcome. So glad you came to worship with us tonight. Um, We're going to continue on in our reading. We'll be in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So let me just read those to you as we continue on. This is the birth of Jesus. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration. Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were to be registered, each to his town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Advent is rehearsing almost the desperate longing of waiting for God to do something waiting for God to act on his own promise and what it takes to do that. And what you just saw here was the worst of the worst. This is basically a road trip. And if you've ever been, I know I don't like road trips. If you've ever been on a road trip with kids that was a multi-day adventure, you know something's desperately wrong with the world. (laughs) You understand what longing is in a new way. Um, I just remember one of our worst road trips was coincided with High School Musical. Do you remember that? So I actually knew every song on that soundtrack. For three days, we sang that. There is something very normal about what Mary and Joseph did and extremely extraordinary. And what I want us to see today, and this is what Advent is going to tell you, This is what we're seeing from God. This is what it means to receive this gift. And I'm going to quote a pastor, um, Pastor Ray Ortland, because he sums up this passage so beautifully. God's answer for everything that you long for, for everything that terrorizes you, everything that torments you, his answer is this, a child. His folly is greater than our wisdom. His weakness is greater than our strength. Everywhere we look for him, he is not. And everywhere we don't look for him, that's where he is. This is his answer to us. This is his answer to you for everything that torments you. Everything. Whether it's loneliness, sickness, being overrun by sin, this is his answer for us. So let's just walk through this and understand what this answer is understand what is happening in the text. Well, it's very simple. It's very self-explanatory. Mary and Joseph are going from Nazareth about 90 miles to Bethlehem. The reason they're doing it is very practical. Um, There's been a decree that went out. They're part of the Roman Empire, and they need to be registered. Um, It's a census, basically, to make sure that um, they're counted for tax purposes and other reasons. And Joseph, being in the line of David had to go to his ancestral home 
to be registered, which is Bethlehem. So he does what he needs to do. He sets out. He takes Mary with him. Um, there's already scandal. She's pregnant. How do you explain that? Both Joseph and Mary had received word from the Lord through Gabriel about what was going on, as you, as you saw. Normal obedience. They're heading out 90 miles without a car, without roads, really. Maybe a pack animal and a very pregnant woman. This is not a fun road trip. This is not good. So this is where they're at. And then Mary goes into labor. So going into labor is dangerous enough in and of itself. This would be like going into labor while you're camping. And there's no hospital. There's nowhere around to help you. So this is the situation that they're in. What's odd to me is that if you remember in the first reading, the angel Gabriel had said, hey, you know what? You have found favor with God. And he said two very important things. A, God is with you. And his grace is on you. You have found favor with him. Do not fear, Mary. And then everything in this story says you have a lot to fear. Where is God? Is he with you? And so they do what comes natural. They look to find shelter. And we have no real idea knowing where they looked. It kind of seems like it's a hotel. It's not very probable. Maybe a sort of a hostel. What's probably more likely is that it was one of Joseph's family, probably a distant relative. But if everybody's moving in to be registered for census, you can imagine that the house is full, not unlike the way it is for us at Christmas time or during holidays. This obviously wasn't a holiday, but probably what happened was he went where he normally would go, to a family member's home. It was full, so full that they probably had to stay on the bottom floor, which was just probably dirt. They would bring animals in at night. So this is where they're at. And then she gives birth. And the text tells us that she places Jesus in a manger. Now, a manger is just a feeding trough. So here she is. And that seems shocking enough, but what you should see is that she's alone. When people have babies, um, it's a family event. People are there. People are excited. Mary's not the one who's going to take the child and wrap him up. Somebody else would do that. She's taking care of it. For whatever reason, both Mary and Joseph, whether they're ostracized or maybe they're just people don't care or they don't know what's going on or they have other things to worry about, they're on their own and alone. So what we should hear from this, from this event, what we should feel is Jesus enters into the world in poverty, in obscurity, and the world's response to him is, hmm, it's rejection. Like, you don't have a place here. You don't have a place here. Yet this is God's answer to us. So I just want to ask you to consider three things as we look at this text, as we look at Mary giving birth to Jesus. First is this, um, disruption. Nobody saw this coming. Were there texts? Absolutely. Were there prophecies? Yes. Even Micah 5.2 designates the place, Bethlehem. Nobody saw this coming. Caesar didn't know. 
that by calling a census, this would move Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem and they would give birth to the true king. Obviously, he wasn't ready for that. Mary and Joseph weren't ready for that. They didn't choose to give birth in Bethlehem. His relatives or the inn was not ready for that. Total disruption. So as we think about Advent, as you think about God's gift and his provision for you, know that when you see him or when you trust him, if you're going to follow him, this will disrupt your life. It doesn't come at the right time. There's no way to prepare for this. There's no way to really prepare you to meet God. When God shows up, it's disruptive to every single person that is a part of this story. Secondly, um, the humility is almost overwhelming. It's not that he's just ignored. He's, just not, he's almost not even in the story. The fact that God would come in the flesh in such a way almost makes him invisible. He's nowhere to be seen. And completely, third, completely unpredictable. If God himself is going to enter into our story, into our world, is going to take on flesh in such a way that we don't see him, we're not ready for him, it's completely disruptive. How do we measure that love? This is God's absolute wild pursuit of you. This is what his love has done and does do. So, as we try to grab hold of what it means that God became flesh, put on flesh, was born as a king, but as an infant, this is his unrelentless, wild pursuit of you. Are you ready for that? Were you planning on that? Do you see it? Do you see this? So a couple of things um, to consider. What is the text text in the Bible asking you to believe about this Jesus that was born right here in Bethlehem? This is what scripture is asking you to believe. This child is fully human and fully God. Put on flesh, not becoming less God, but being humbled to the point of taking on flesh to walk as an infant, to grow up in a family with brothers and sisters, to walk a life just like us. So, and if you're here with somebody and you're like, you know what, I'm not a Christian, and this is why I'm not a Christian. (laughs) You're asking us to believe things that no reasonable person would ever believe. Why Why would you believe A, in a virgin birth, but that's, okay, I'll give you that. Why would you believe that God would put on flesh like this? How is that even possible? I think that's a reasonable question. Um, Understand, well, first of all, this is not magic, and it's not an illusion. It's a miracle. Absolutely, the incarnation of Jesus is a miracle. Yes, 100%. And before you discount that and say, well, I don't believe in miracles, Okay, but but think of it for a minute. 
everybody, in a way, has a, a, has, a, has a miracle birth story that they will hold on to. Maybe it sounds like, I'm not sure why we're here, but we just are. That's a miracle birth story. I think the universe is real, but it just happened like that. That's not reasonable. That's a miracle birth story. So before we discount it, before we discount it, understand what God is doing in coming in the flesh. And it's this, as scripture says, Emmanuel, he's God with us, but not just that, God for us. So the reason that he comes, the reason that he's born into Bethlehem is to be God with us and for us. This was the beginning of his life to give himself for us as a ransom for sin, as an answer to every evil, as an answer to every injustice, as an answer to your separation, to my separation from God. Because just like Bethlehem, just like the inn, we're not concerned with what God is doing. Sin does that. We're divorced from that. Jesus comes for that. He comes to be with us, but not just to lead us and show us. He comes to be a savior. He comes to sacrifice. He comes to give it all that we might know God, that we might have our sin removed, that we might be born again to a new life. Um, 2 Corinthians really sums it up well. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. This is what we wait for. So as you consider this, as you consider worshiping God, as you consider this infant, this God-man, this infant king, this one who gives himself as a ransom for us, ask yourself this, what is your answer for everything that torments you? What is it? Where do you look? Where do you seek? Where do you go? What's your answer? Let it be this. Because this is God's answer for evil, for everything that terrorizes you, torments you, everything that strips you away from eternal life and from abundant life. This is what the Advent is. This is why it's good news. This is why we worship him. This is why we rehearse this every Christmas. Because there is no other answer that can be given. This is God himself giving God the Son for us. This is God's answer. So receive it. This is our call as we walk into Christmas, as Advent closes, or to receive this and, and get, let, let Jesus be our gift. Let him be our gift. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You actually give an answer to us. You give an answer for sin, for death, for separation, for loneliness, for isolation. You give an answer for all of it. 
in the face of this infant in Jesus. Mighty God, wonderful counselor, King, Messiah, Emmanuel. Help us, Lord, as we continue to worship. To not wrap our head around what that means because that's too great to understand, but to just to worship you and to, to enjoy it and to receive the gift that you've given us in the person of Jesus and his life, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.